0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the JWB Fantasy Football Podcast. He's Justin, I'm Wyatt, and what a horrible day for injuries it was in Sunday of football this week. Justin, how are you feeling after this? I feel fine, man. Like, this is something we
1: have to deal with. You just manage your teams correctly. Uh, Very, very unpopular opinion here, but I think, in a way, this is what separates the men from the boys here. Like, a lot of people are going to have dilemmas to deal with, and I like that. That's what I think makes it fun. Like, we have to figure out how we're going to manage around these situations now. Um, Just maybe on, like, a personal note, outside of the fantasy aspect, do you think a lot of this is because there was no preseason?
0: I think it has to have have something to do with it. Uh, I mean... I think Sunday might have been like the worst day ever for injuries. I know, right? And it wasn't just like here and there
1: random injuries. Like they were all like ACLs and Achilles and all kinds of stuff, which is really, really bad injuries. So we'll see. My guess though, right, is that this is going to continue.
0: We're going to see a lot of this over the first few weeks, I think. Yeah, there's the saying that you don't win on draft day. You win during the season. And I think this is why that's true. Yeah, if you drafted good depth at skill positions, you can handle this. If you didn't,
1: best of luck to you. Uh, Why don't you run me through what you thought
0: were the bigger injuries? Yeah, so I'm just going to go through these pretty quick because there's a lot. But so (laughs) Christian McCaffrey, he's out four to six weeks. Saquon Barkley, done for the year. Cortland Sutton, done for the year. Jimmy Garoppolo, Raheem Mostert, Tevin Coleman all could miss multiple weeks. Cam Akers could miss some time with a rib injury. Malcolm Brown broke his finger, but he should be able to play. Paris Campbell is out indefinitely. Sterling Shepard is expected to miss several weeks. Drew Locke is set to miss two to six weeks. Devontae Adams hurt his hamstring. I think that one was just cautionary, though. I don't know,
1: man. What a mess. How do you even begin to figure all that out? What do you do in a world where, oh, Malcolm Brown only broke his finger. He should be okay. It's like a broken finger is the least of our concerns. We're like, could just put it, put some tape on it, rub some dirt on it, and throw him back out there. Like half these guys don't have any knees left. Here we go. Like what a mess. What a mess.
0: Yeah, hopefully everyone has drafted well and they are paying attention to their waiver wire, um, thinking about what they need to do with their free agent budgets if that's the way you're working in your league. Um, I think there's a lot of people in a lot of tough places right now that are really evaluating their entire team right now. So let's move into our first recap of week two with the Cincinnati and Cleveland game. Justin, what do you think about this one?
1: Well, I think if it's not a elite defense, it proved that both Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt are simultaneously viable. I think that OBJ is going to continue to be viable Brown's offense was a lot better and more quicker paced than I think we thought. Um, And it certainly proved for me, at least, that A.J. Green is Joe Burrow's favorite target. It wasn't necessarily pretty. What was it? It was like 13 targets for him in that game, and maybe six of those were catchable. But Burrow looks for him constantly in all kinds of yardage situations and looked for him a lot in the red zone. What do you think about that?
0: Yeah, Burrow definitely tried to get A.J. Green the ball a lot. He just can't throw outside the numbers yet. So I'm, I am worried about his value moving forward. Yes, Chubb and Hunt can exist together. I think Hunt is um, basically back end of the RB1s, and Hunt is an RB2 at this point.
1: I agree with that. I think then, too, in respect to A.J. Green, that I found myself thinking, like, now this week, as they head into a game with the Eagles, like, oh, good. Now I know I can sit him because he's going to be up against Slay. Burrow might have tight windows to throw into, and that's probably not going to work. But that's okay. For a guy who, if you did it right, is your flex or your fourth receiver, I think it's nice to know that he's going to be a target monster. And if you just want to play him in the three or four extremely easy matchups that the Bengals might have, then you're good to go.
0: Yeah, once they get on the same page, A.J. Green is going to be an actual asset. But for now, I'm going to keep him on my bench. Moving on to the next game, we've got Giants and Chicago.
1: Yeah, I can't believe that very intelligent people ever looked at either of these two guys and thought they were franchise quarterbacks. It's remarkable to me that Daniel Jones and Mitchell Trubisky played each other. Um, From a takeaway standpoint, sure, it sucks that Saquon Barkley's gone. Uh, I don't think there's a lot else going
0: on there. You're right, though. Those those QBs, they're just they are not, not good at all. There was a lot of hype for Daniel Jones this year, but we're seeing that he's just not accurate. He's not careful with the ball. He constantly turns the ball over. Uh, I don't think you can ever start him at this point until we see him start to play better. Yeah, I thought
1: David Montgomery looked good for what that's worth. I mean, we expected big things out of him, but we're definitely getting more comfortable with playing him week in, week out. Some of the hesitation that we may have had about whether it was okay to believe that he was going to be better than last year might be going away. Uh, And on the other side of things, Anthony Miller had a terrible day. And I had remembered specifically talking to you about that, that at some point I I thought about even including him in my flex don't column because everyone was so hyped up on Anthony Miller after week one and everything that he did, he did in the fourth quarter when the Lions had essentially lost their whole secondary. So even in a team like the Giants, who don't have a great secondary, Anthony Miller was useless, and Trubisky kind of looked more like Trubisky. So we're back to can you play David Montgomery and can you play Allen
0: Robinson and everything else is a void. I think you have to look at David Montgomery as an RB2 moving forward, which is way we had him to during the draft season before his injury to start the season, we knew he was going to get volume. And if, if he's going to continue to play like he did on Sunday, giddy up. The next game we've got is Detroit and Green
1: Bay. This might not be the most popular opinion, and I may regret saying this later, but I'm going to go ahead here and say as my takeaway and moving forward, I think that without Devontae Adams, both Baldess, like and Lazard are useless. I think they need Devontae Adams on the field to be viable. So I'm a little iffy on that going forward. I do think that, not that this is news to anybody, that Aaron Jones is amazing and his touchdown regression was as overblown as you spent all offseason saying it was. Uh, But in terms of maybe looking at people who are playing a lot of daily fantasy, that without Devontae Adams, you're really going to see a ton of Aaron Jones going forward. Um, Detroit, it's a hot mess. I, Patricia can't possibly keep his job much longer. It's they're just another team. where now week in, week out. I have no idea what to predict for them. If they're going to be good, if they're going to be terrible, what running back is going to get the most touches. It's just a disaster there from a fantasy standpoint and kind of from a football standpoint. Uh, I think in the right matchup, I still like Stafford when you can play him, but my confidence in Detroit is, is waning heavily after
0: weeks one and two. Aaron Jones is basically the wide receiver two for Green Bay. He might even be the wide receiver one now at this point. And I'm trying not to take victory laps too early into the season, but I'm feeling great about, you know, talking to him up all season. Detroit, uh, they're going to get Kenny Galladay back, so hopefully that's a boost to that offense. But I think maybe just without Galladay, they they were just hot garbage. Yeah. Our next game is Jacksonville at Tennessee. What a shootout this ended up being.
1: Yeah, and you know what? That was a definite surprise. I thought it was going to be a slow, methodical game, and it was anything but that. Uh, Now, I think this might be one of the more interesting games of the week. Shark is appearing to be matchup proof. I think treating him as a flex receiver is now stupid. He just needs to be in your lineup as a wide receiver, too. Uh, If you can do it against Tennessee, you can do it against anybody. Minshew looks like you got to play him every week unless you're sitting on one of the top five quarterbacks. Corey Davis looks like he's going to be viable week in, week out when people like A.J. Brown are banked up. Johnny was amazing. He needs to rise to the level of a tight end one, and I can't believe people are not treating him like that. And lastly, James Robinson is looking like he's going to be a week in, week out back. So a lot of people that I didn't think
0: had the greatest matchup here turned in extremely good games. Yeah, what a surprise from Jacksonville. They were talking about this team being an 0-16 team going into the season, and Minchu will not allow it to happen. I think you're right. I think he has to be looked at as, you know, basically a top-10 QB rest of season. James Robinson looks like he's a legit RB2 at this point. DJ Chark, he only got four targets, but he caught all of them for 84 yards. A lot of offense in that passing game. The next game we're going to talk about is Minnesota and Indianapolis. Uh,
1: Neheim Hines was quite disappointing. That was a big
0: takeaway for me. Even though I had, even, you
1: know, I hadn't even gone as far as writing about him. So uh, who knows? I thought I really thought that he did profile as like the perfect back to be back there with Phillip Rivers. But uh, Taylor looked as good as we think he he could be. He's definitely going to be a guy that you're going to want to make sure is in your lineup going forward. Uh, could be a very attractive daily fantasy play as well until his price catches up to some of the better end guys. Uh, Minnesota I don't know man it didn't look very good almost everybody had a terrible game with the exception of Dalvin Cook who had a terrible game until he scored at the very end so I think this is another situation where as I watch Buffalo play a lot I'm starting to wonder if Stefan Diggs is a substantially more talented player than I gave him credit for when he was with Kirk Cousins and that That offense has lost a huge element that's making them just inefficient and woeful across the board. Uh, I think a lot of the work they did that was good was against garbage time in Green Bay. So I kind of now I'm going to need a couple of weeks to evaluate whether or not there's any pieces in Minnesota outside of Dalvin Cook that are relevant.
0: Yeah, this was basically just a lost game for Minnesota. I don't know what happened to Kirk Cousins in this game. I I know the Colts have a great defense, but. Kirk Cousins probably had the worst game of his career. On Indy's side, the big takeaway, you spoke about it with Jonathan Taylor getting all the work and looking good doing so. And also, how about Mo Alley-Cox with the five receptions for 111 yards? I'm curious to see if he retains his job when Jack Doyle gets back, if he's going to play like this. Yeah, you're right. Our next game is Buffalo at Miami. Speaking of Stephon Diggs yeah i I had an
1: absolute blast watching air Allen and Stefan Diggs just play it out D- Diggs is incredible it's it's tough for me to put this into words, but I still feel like I'm watching the same Josh Allen that I watched just sling the ball with just his eyes closed saying prayers against the Texans in the playoffs last year. but like now Diggs is out there to go get those balls and make him look good and it was extremely impressive. Uh, On the other side, I thought the Dolphins are looking competent. They're not going to be great. They're not going to be terrible. But if Fitz Magic can kind of be as steady as he was for large parts of this game against a really good Buffalo defense, like we're going to get to keep talking about guys like Parker and Williams and Gasicki being relevant plays, but... My, my biggest takeaway of this game overall is that Stefan Diggs needs to be in your lineup every single week, week in, week out now.
0: Yeah, Josh Allen, I think, is still the same guy that we've seen in years past. It's just now that he's throwing the ball 40 times a game, he's putting up these huge numbers. He was always capable of making these big throws. It's just he also makes some really bonehead throws. But like you're right. Now Stefan Diggs is there to almost like bail him out in some situations or make certain plays even better than they were going to be. I'd like, I'm i curious to see when they play a real defense because they haven't played one yet. It'll be interesting to see what happens when they, when they get into a, a real matchup there. They have the Rams this week. Yeah, you're right. And it'll be interesting to see what happens there with Jalen Ramsey against Stephon Diggs and Aaron Donald come up through the middle, how they react to that. Before you go on to Miami, let me ask you a question. We're now two weeks in,
1: and I feel like I haven't heard any positive or negative talk about Moss and Singletary. Are they just
0: negating each other? I think that's what it really is at this point. They're splitting all the carries. They're basically splitting all of the passing down work. Unless one of them scores, it's just not quite enough because Buffalo has been throwing the ball so much. For Miami, we got a Fitz magic game essentially. So we got a good amount of offense going on there, but I don't think we can count on that every week. Uh, You could say this was a revenge game for him, but you could say that for 10 other teams in the NFL as well. Uh, my big takeaway for Miami was Mike Kosicki with a huge game, eight catches, 130 yards, and a touchdown against a team who has been very good against guarding tight ends. We knew the volume was going to be there for Gazeki in this offense, but we didn't know that he was going to be as good with the targets this year. The next game we've got is San Francisco and the Jets. Yeah, what an unfortunate football game this was
1: for all parties. Uh, the Jets are horrendous, bench them all except for maybe Crowder when he comes back. The 49ers are probably going to be horrendous, and you got to be real careful. I am a little bit excited just to see what McKinnon can do, since there is now a very good chance that McKinnon is going to get to do a lot going forward. But the the story of this game is just that San Francisco lost a ton of relevant pieces, and it's a shame to see that. And then on the other side of that, San Francisco could have lost 13 more players and they still would have beat the breaks off the jets.
0: Yeah. I, I said this last week, the jets are the worst team in football. Uh, don't, don't play anyone on them. I thought you could trust Chris Herndon cause the volume could be there, but it's just, it's not happening for the 49ers. Yeah. I'm interested to see McKinnon. I'm hoping he gets a big role and I want to see what he does with it. Kittle should be back too. So that will be a boost for the offense, but it's looking like we're probably going to have Nick Mullins at QB. So, you know, he performed all right in his time when he had to start previously. Um, I'm still not going to come off a of kittle at all, and I'd probably be flexing a McKinnon coming up this week. Our next game is the Rams at Philly. Interesting game
1: all around. Cup was a little bit better than expected for most people who are not you. Woods was about as expected, given he was going to see a lot of Darius Slay. Malcolm Brown was useless, but was also hurt for parts of this game. Uh, Cam Akers went out early, and all this allowed Henderson to have a perfectly fine game, and now he is the running back du jour on the waiver wire for the week. Again, exercise some caution there. Uh, They are going to go up against Buffalo, and we don't necessarily know who is and isn't going to be healthy for the Rams. Uh, On the other side, I don't have a ton of takeaways for the Eagles, man. The tight ends are still good. Even though Goddard didn't produce for you this week, he had enough targets to do so. It just didn't work out the way it did in week one. Uh, And then my other big takeaway, I think, is that I'm starting to learn that Carson Wentz is
0: not that great. I don't think you can play Carson Wentz anymore. I don't know if we'll get to play him this season because I don't think – this is injury related anymore for you know the, the offense. I think this is Carson Wentz now. I think something, something is off for him at this point. I I don't trust him at all. Miles Sanders looked good for his first game back though, so no worries there. Tight ends, you're still starting them. It's just I don't think you can play Wentz at all. The Rams, Tyler Higbeest coming through big. True for that team, big game. Well, what one we were. expecting hoping to see out of him because last week was a little bit disappointing so I'm glad we got that game from him. Goff had the big game, throwing all those touchdowns to the Hig beast. Daryl Henderson, I'm really interested to see what he does against Buffalo this week. Our next game is Denver at Pittsburgh. Yeah, so I thought after their performance
1: against Saquon Barkley that Pittsburgh was just going to be that team you could not play a running back against and was very, very heavily uh, in my article and on Twitter telling people to stay away from Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon had a perfectly fine game. So there is still something to be said about volume. And not having Philip Lindsay there and being the only guy allowed him to have a much better day than I expected. Uh, now moving forward, I think with no Sutton and no Lock, the passing game is in trouble. I don't think I would want any part of Jerry Judy or anything like that. Uh, On the other side of the ball, the Steelers are going to be up and down and have good games and bad games. They're not the Steelers of old, and we all knew that, but this does reinforce that in particular. Um, And I think for people who may have been worried about James Conner, it it wasn't just the fact that Conner had a, a perfectly okay day for you, But Betty Snell wasn't really involved in the committee-type approach that we thought we might see out of them, Uh, and that does mean a lot if you're a James Conner owner.
0: Yeah, for the Broncos, um, I would still probably play Melvin Gordon next week just based on volume, but I'm probably staying away from the rest of the players on that team, maybe Jeff Driscoll in two QB leagues. Uh, He was a serviceable quarterback last year when he was forced into starting duty. For the Steelers, I'm not quite ready to say this, but I think Deontay Johnson is the actual wide receiver one for that team. He's led them in targets both weeks now. He had a much better game than Juju did this week, though Juju had a much better game last week. Um, I think Big Ben just likes Deontay Johnson more. The next game we're going to talk about is Carolina and Tampa Bay.
1: Uh, Yeah, loved it watched most of this game. It was on TV down here in South Florida, Wyatt, and it was fantastic to be able to see it. Um, A few things that I think are important. One, I hate that I have to say this, but go ahead and drop Gronkowski. He looks like he's going to be useless at this point. Um, Other big takeaway in terms of Tampa Bay, for me, the big one is that now I think we really have to exercise caution in the backfield. The Ronald Jones truthers were out in week one, and they, they were getting killed in week two. I made a joke on Twitter that I'm going to stand by that, for all we know, the skeleton of LaShawn McCoy is going to go for 30 points in week three, and everybody's going to want to bury Fournette. I think the point here is that you just don't know what you're going to get out of the Bucks backfield yet, and I'm not ready to have Ronald Jones get all the work in week one and then turn around and say he's dead because Fournette had a good week two, and vice versa. I just need more time on that. On the other side of the ball with Carolina, I have to think that receivers are going to take a tick up for them with Christian McCaffrey out. Uh, I thought Teddy Bridgewater looked fine given some very difficult circumstances. So his ability to get DJ Moore the ball, even in tough coverage, was really good. Um, And I haven't really been able to place, so here's where I want some input from you. I haven't really been
0: able to place how I feel about Mike Davis now in coming weeks, for Mike Davis, I really wasn't expecting much from him if he was thrown into duty, but he had eight catches in this game, so I looked good. So I think you actually can trust him. Uh, I probably wouldn't play him as anything more than a flex for the for his first game to see what happens, but I, I would not feel bad about flexing him at all. Um, running backs on the other side, I think they're going to at least give Fournette the chance to have this job in the coming weeks. Uh, But with Arians, you just never know at all. And Tom Brady's day looks bad on the box score, but he had a lot of drop passes from his receivers. He actually had two drop touchdowns. So his day would have been a lot better uh, if those were completed. And Those weren't really on him. They weren't. One was from Scotty Miller early. uh, And then at the end of the game, well, Sean McCoy had one right on his hands that he let go. So you're right. His day could have been substantially better. Also, one last thing. I want to make sure that I get this out there. I think Robbie Anderson is just a wide receiver, too, moving forward. If they're going to throw the ball this much and Teddy Bridgewater is going to continue to go deep to him like this, you got to play him. I think you're right about that for sure. Our next game is Washington at Arizona.
1: Yeah, it was a really fun game, huh? What, Kyler Murray is just a hell of a fantasy quarterback and a hell of a guy to watch week He's in, something week else. Out. Yeah, DeAndre Hopkins has done things that I never expect a wide receiver to do to that offense. Uh, Maybe. Now, I, I can't say that I'm fully on board with this, but if you took Kenyon Drake in the second round and you're starting to think to yourself, shit, should I trade him before there's no value? It's possible that you might want to start looking at that avenue if you're not happy with what you've seen out of him in the first two weeks. Uh, on the other side of the ball, I thought Washington was pretty interesting. You know, they're going to have up and down weeks. I think I learned that after what they did to the Eagles in week one. Um, but I do think that Haskins, although he's not a viable fantasy play, is certainly going to turn some other people on that team into interesting enough plays.
0: Uh, and McLaurin seems very safe regardless of matchup. For Washington, nothing has changed for me. Terry McLaurin is great. We kind of knew that. Uh, Dwayne Haskins is showing that he's able to give him the ball enough that he's uh, very productive, so that's great to see. Antonio Gibson is still bordering on startable. He got the touchdown this week, which was great, but he is still in a backfield chair. So, And, yeah, Kyler Murray, he is something else. And you're right, DeAndre Hopkins having a great year. Kenyon Drake, I, you know, I would stand Pat if I was a Kendra- Kenyon Drake owner. He's still getting all the carries for that team. It's just a touchdown thing at this point. Let's move on to Kansas City and the Chargers.
1: Yeah, from the Kansas City standpoint, don't panic. The wide receivers didn't look great for two and a half or three quarters of this game, and then all of a sudden it got turned on at the end. Uh, I think there was a stat at some point that the only wide receiver who had caught the ball like at one point in the first half was Robinson. Everything else was either a running back or Kelsey. Um, And you're going to have some weeks like that. I discussed after the Thursday night game against Houston that you may see Sammy Watkins go crazy and then disappear. McCole Hardman might go crazy and then disappear. It's going to be up and down with the guys who aren't Tyreek Hill. It it is what it is there. Uh, On the other side of the ball, I think Herbert makes all of the assets in uh, the Chargers offense better. Uh, But I think Keenan Allen improves with Herbert under center. think Hunter Henry stays the same or gets marginally better. The big story for me, if you can kind of elaborate here, uh, is that if I'm an Austin Eckler owner, I'm happy with what I've seen in the first couple weeks, but I am starting to worry about if at some point the work they're giving to Kelly is going
0: to start to decrease Eckler's production. Is that fair? I think it is fair. I am worried about Kelly eating into Austin Eckler's production. Joshua Kelly had 23 carries on Sunday to Austin Eckler's 16, but Joshua Kelly only had 64 yards, and Eckler had 93. Eckler had more than double the average per carry than Kelly. It just i I don't know why i I don't know if they just like wanted that bigger, more powerful back uh, in the second half, but it didn't work. So I. I'm starting to think Anthony Lynn is not a, a very good head coach. He even came out and said that if Tyrod Taylor was healthy, that they he is hit their starting quarterback, which is just a horrible decision after watching Herbert play and play well in his first NFL start against the reigning Super Bowl champions. The next game is Baltimore at
1: Houston. I kind of reflected on some highlights and on the box score and thought that what I had feared about Houston's offense not really being that good is looking pretty true. Watson seemed to have a very a pedestrian game, same with David Johnson. Will Fuller got hurt again, and before that was not having a great game when he was on the field. Uh, and on the other side of the ball, the Ravens looked about as good as I think we expect them to look. I think it was close in the beginning, right? But then once they started to pull away, there was no turning back. Um the one thing that did really alarm me was their backfield usage. I
0: don't feel good about that. Um, what did you get out of this game? This was just a classic Ravens game. Uh, the defense brought a ton of pressure. Deshaun Watson uh, was never comfortable in the pocket, and the Ravens just ran the ball nonstop. Other than that, I, you know, this is a pretty basic game. I guess you could be a little bit disappointed in some of the Ravens passing game, but really that's just because – They only passed the ball 24 times. Yeah, Mark Andrews had a terrible game, huh? Yeah, just the one catch, but it was for 29 yards, but he only had three targets. Uh, You know, uh, Lamar Jackson just didn't throw the ball enough. Our next game is New England and Seattle. Uh, What a game. This was an excellent
1: game. Takeaways abound for me here. Uh, (laughs) Apparently, Julian Edelman is a much better receiver than we all think he is if he's going to have a career day on the road in Seattle with Cam Newton. uh, I'm hoping that you can reliably play him as a wide receiver too. Uh, So let's kind of see next week if this trend continues with Julian Edelman looking good. Um, There's no facet of the running game for New England that looked good. There was a very unfortunate circumstance that probably created – a lot of the reason why that running attack did not look good, and that's terrible. Um And then Cam Newton, honestly, I think you gotta go trade him, right? Like, there can't be that many people who are relying on Cam Newton as their quarterback. He should be a supplement to a better
0: quarterback for everybody. You may want to trade that other QB and hold on to Cam Newton. I, There's put, no way. He Come put on, this not entire pie, offense like, on his back. I... I I think Cam Newton might just be here to stay. I mean he could be here to stay, but if you have Cam Newton and Kyler Murray, you gonna trade Kyler Murray? No. Well I'll, I'll say I'll say that Cam Newton's value is probably uh at all time high right now in trade value. Yeah. So I mean that's what I'm trying to argue here. If
1: I mean, you could go pick up Jared Goff from the waiver wire to be your number two quarterback because you're never going to use Jared Goff or Cam Newton. You're going to roll with that guy every week. If you're on the flip side of that and you don't, you had taken Cam Newton and somebody else in the same range as him, yeah, you're thrilled. Like You might have this year's Lamar Jackson where you're looking at like a quarterback two or three almost by accident, but if you look at your team and you've got a quarterback in place that you're going to play every single week already... I do think what you said is what I was hinting at. His value is an all-time high. and You got to go out and do something with that. Um, Other big takeaway for me, I was really down on DK Metcalf. I I think he's an extremely good player, but I thought that Gilmore would be able to lock him down. And what I learned from this game is that Russ Wilson's deep ball is matchup proof. And if that is going to be the case, then we can fire him up regardless of matchup, lock it, extremely good uh and at least for the moment the world has not turned on chris carson so everything on the seattle side of the ball that's not greg olson looked
0: amazing i will say that chef russell wilson and crew are just matchup proof the entire offense i would if you've got one of the core guys chris carson russell wilson dk metcalf Tyler lockett you will always play them you never sit these guys ever no matter the situation, no matter the shadow corner, that offense is cooking like it never has before. I, Seattle might be destiny team right now. And now our final game of the week, New Orleans and Las Vegas. Justin, what stood out to you here?
1: A whole lot for this one, right? Uh, let's state the obvious. Drew Brees is bum, huh? I don't want to be too harsh on him, but he looked pretty much done to me, and that's not great. But this did spark an interesting conversation between you and I where we started to realize that outside of that one Robbie Anderson catch that both DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson didn't have great week ones, and even, with it, even without Michael Thomas, the Saints' actual skill-wide receivers didn't have a great day. Drew Brees had a very hard time pushing the ball downfield, So maybe the Raiders just have a better defense, and in particular, a better secondary than we thought. So I think if we find ourselves continuously revisiting over the next couple weeks wide receivers who are not having good games against the Raiders, we
0: might want to find out if that trend becomes a more predictable pattern. I think the Raiders did a great job of not allowing any big plays and keeping everything in front of them. And that could be bad news for receivers where otherwise I think we would look at the
1: schedule and say like, oh, they got the Raiders? Well, let's go ahead and roll them out. Maybe we got to pump the brakes on that. Uh, Waller looked amazing, but it was impressive the way that they utilized him and almost
0: equally as impressive how unprepared the Saints were to cover him. Yeah, he was basically uncoverable in that game. Uh, The Saints had zero answers for Waller. The last thing I'll say about that game is that it was nice to see Josh Jacobs still involved in the passing game. I think that's just a thing that's going to continue for the rest of the year. Yeah. Did he get hurt at the end? He pulled up lame and left for, I think, just a couple plays. But I I believe he's just fine.
1: Okay, good to know. And, yeah, I've been telling you the whole offseason that they were going to have him more involved in the passing game, and that really does look like it's coming to fruition. Hopefully, that helps people who have him and leagues that pay – per catch to give him that extra little
0: boost I was anticipating. Yeah, so why don't we move on to week three now. Our first game Thursday night football is going to be Miami at Jacksonville. This one's interesting to me because I think, you know, Jacksonville is like on this destiny tour right now with Gardner Minshew playing so well, and this is a very, very winnable game. I actually expect them to win against Miami. Uh, I think he happens to be starting Gardner Minshew at this point. He's definitely a QB one for me. DJ Chark apparently was limited in practice with a chest injury, so that's something you're gonna have to monitor. But if he's healthy, you gotta play him. Uh, James Robinson, I think, has to be considered an RB two at this point. On Miami side, you can roll out Fitzpatrick if you are needing to stream a quarterback. He could see you could see some production there. I'm staying away from the running backs. I think I'm still staying away from any particular wide receiver unless we get like a full bill of health from, De- from Devontae Parker before the game. What do you think? I actually have no problem playing Devontae Parker
1: or Preston Williams in this matchup against the Jaguars. I think they're both just about as viable as anybody else in that range is going to be when all things are said and done. And, you know, I got to mention, too, I actually really like Keelan Cole. Like, really like Cole in this matchup. He's been producing. Yeah, depending on what your scoring system looks like, he's went for 15 or more. Both games now, and if Shark is going to be not on the field or on the field but limited, I think that does bode well for him, and it suggests to me, like you had mentioned, that Minshew is just got to be in your lineup at this point. I think if it is not, Jackson, Mahomes, Wilson, Murray, Ryan... You know, maybe one or two other guys that he's got to be ahead of your Drew Breeses, your Matt Stafford's, everything like
0: that. Uh, so let's let's roll him out, fire up Minshew, and let's go get it. One guy I did forget to mention though is Mike Kosicki. The Jaguars have actually given up the most yards to tight ends so far this year. So fire up Mike Kosicki for this week. Good call. The next game we're going to talk about is Chicago at Atlanta. We got Atlanta game again. I, you know, basically you play your guys when they're playing against Atlanta. They, like we said, they're basically the fantasy factory for both teams. I think you've got to be playing David Montgomery as an RB two. I think you still got to stick with Allen Robinson, though he's been very disappointing. But that's basically on Mitchell Trubisky. Maybe he can get things in line this week. Maybe we look at Anthony Miller in deeper leagues, but I think we've all kind of soured back on Anthony Miller. I actually read a stat. He, He's only run routes out of the slot so far. He has not lined up anywhere else. If he's not in the slot, he's not on the field, which is pretty concerning.
1: Yeah, I'm not putting Anthony Miller into any any lineups at this point. Uh, for example, the game that we just called off of, Cole, Williams, and Parker are all ahead of Anthony Miller for me, and I don't necessarily know that I want to run Allen Robinson out ahead of a guy like shark if he's healthy or digs if that's who i drafted as the receiver right behind him on the other side of the ball you know i think regardless of whether or not chicago has an average to above average defense we're not worried about anybody on the falcon side Gurley's getting a run out ridley and jones are going to be able to do their thing do we need to talk about the deep league or dfs appeal of gauge
0: in this matchup i think You have to start considering Gage as a possible flex option. Wow. It's just, you know, the results are there. And uh, I believe since Muhammad Sanu was traded last year, he's averaging, it's either seven or eight targets a game, uh, which is wild, honestly. Um, I do think we need to start worrying about Todd Gurley, though. Uh, He's basically been absent from the pass game. And if he's not going to get a rushing touchdown and he's not going to get passing work, it's not looking good.
1: I'm not actually worried about him yet at this point. I think he was good in week one, and I think he was good in week two. He could have done a little bit more with the opportunity, but the opportunity certainly seems to be there. Uh, I think this is a good litmus test for him. But if I have him and I'm relying on him as my running back too, I'm not benching him this week unless I've done something like pick up James Robinson, who has just – already proven in two weeks that he's going to get a ton of volume i can't think that there's a lot of teams that have better options than Gurley here but who knows i'm sure we'll hear from him on twitter this week i hope we do
0: yeah I, I i'm down a little bit further on Gurley. not that i'm sitting him it's just that like i think i'm further along and not being happy um but also on atlanta obviously matt ryan julio jones calvin ridley you're never taking those guys out of your lineup at this point Next game we've got is the Rams at Buffalo. I'm really excited for this game because I'm excited to see Josh Allen face a real defense. Um, You obviously have to stick with him. You're sticking with Diggs. I don't know if this is a John Brown game or not. Maybe if uh, Jalen Ramsey is having his way with Stephon Diggs, then John Brown might be the guy who picks up the slack there in in the passing game for them. You just
1: hit it for me dead on. We've actually yeah. been talking about that already a couple of times this week in various conversations that I do think John Brown is the main beneficiary here. And I would expect to see a healthy dose of Ramsey on Diggs. I still think Diggs is going to get his. He might just not have these 25-point games that he's had, you know, in the past week. But I, I'm i with you. I'm excited to get a
0: look at this. Any clarity you can give me about who's going to run the ball for the Rams? Uh, Right now, I would be counting on Daryl Henderson. And actually, I think he's probably going to be a decent play because, like we were talking about, Cam Akers should miss this game and Malcolm Brown is recovering from a fractured finger. I have to imagine Daryl Henderson is going to get the bulk of the work. So, I mean, the Bills have a good defense, but enough touches in that Rams offense and I'm going to be interested. Now, on the other side, I don't think I'm playing Singletary or Zach Moss at this point. We kinda of talked about it. that I think they're kind of canceling each other out at this at this point. And I would expect that to really kind
1: of rear its head in this particular matchup. Um not playing Robert Woods this week. You on board with that?
0: I don't know if you could take him out. Um man, that'd be tough. Tradavis White so, is is very good. Um but if we're following the statement. same logic we went with last week where we wanted to we were uh thinking about You know, sitting him against Darius Slay, I mean, I guess you have to follow that same logic here.
1: Yeah, I I also have been hearing a lot of people who follow the Bills more closely than you and I do tell me that part of the reason Gasicki looked so good last week is because they were banged up in the middle, like we talked about in the recap section earlier. And if the Bills are going to continue to have those issues right over the middle of the field, it suggests to me that Cup and Higby— might be the main beneficiaries to pick up those plays that Gesicki was getting last week. Uh, So I'm definitely looking, especially for DFS purposes and for flex purposes, at what Cup might offer me. Uh, And if Higby could end up being the top tight end for this week again, if Gesicki can do it, Higby's
0: got to be able to do it. So that's one I'm really looking forward to. That's a good point. I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, Our next game is the Washington football team at Cleveland. Let's go Cleveland. Hopefully they can move to two and one for us. Uh, But on Cleveland side, you've got to be having Nick Chubb and Cream Hunt in your lineups if you've got them. I think they're probably just every week starters at this point, except for in uh, really bad matchups where we think they're going to have to play from behind uh, early and often. Uh, I think you want to stick with OBJ this week him and Baker got on the same page and he honestly looked pretty uncoverable last week against Cincinnati. He should have had a second long touchdown if he wasn't held outside of that. I'm not liking what I see from Landry and Hooper at this point enough to want to try and play them on Washington's side. You're sticking with Terry McLaurin. and I don't think you can really ever take him out of your lineup. Uh, Dwayne Haskins might not be very good, but he's doing a good enough job of getting him the ball and I think this might be an Antonio Gibson week. Cleveland has been good against running backs running the ball, but have been giving up a good amount of receiving work to running backs. So I think there's a chance here that Antonio Gibson kind of has his breakout game.
1: All that sounds pretty accurate and about in the same headspace that I'm in right now. Uh, I do maybe want to question you a little bit on the Hunt portion. I have a team, for example, where I know for sure that Aaron Jones and Dalvin Cook are not coming out of my lineup any any reasons whatsoever. But there is a flex position where I currently have David Montgomery against what is a very soft Atlanta team sitting there. Should I be taking Montgomery out to play Hunt instead of him?
0: Um, I currently have Dave Montgomery three spots higher than Green Hunt in running back rankings. I would stick with him. That game should be very high-scoring. You can't go wrong, though. I'll say that. David Johnson's going to go to Pittsburgh. So
1: Hunt head and shoulders ahead of David Johnson this week? Definitely. They All mean. right, let me give you one more. What about Melvin Gordon at Arizona?
0: I have them right next to each other with Melvin Gordon, one spot really? in front of Hunt right now. Because okay. of the Philip Lindsay injury and, and uh, Gordon having that backfield to himself, even in a possibly tough matchup, I mean, we just saw Gordon in a, another very tough matchup give you a good day. Yeah. The next game we're going to talk about is Tennessee at Minnesota. Boy, do you think Minnesota can rebound from what the what they just did against the Colts? Because that might be the worst I've ever seen Kirk Cousins look. I think they can, actually. I don't think it's going to be pretty or
1: great. I think it'll just be steady. I'm not going to be reading the... My boy, Kurt Cousins, is going for negative 20 with all the Scott Fishbowl hashtags on Twitter. This particular Sunday, I don't imagine? That was very hilarious to observe in real time, though. Sorry if that happened to you out there. Uh, but, I, you know, I mean, it's just – it's tough. Like, I, I've started to talk a lot about how I, for years, maybe have criminally underrated Stefan Diggs. And watching him make Josh Allen look as competent as he's making Josh Allen look – has me wondering if he was actually doing a lot more even when he wasn't getting targets for the Minnesota offense and I gave him credit. Now all of a sudden it's Thielen getting a ton of attention and a rookie who can't really quite hold up to what we're looking for yet. And the result of it, the offense doesn't look good. Cook is seeing more people in the box and it's harder for him to overcome the adversity. It's just like the whole thing has fallen apart at once. And when you're in that boat, Tennessee isn't exactly the type of defense you want to see to rectify that. So, you know, if you have Thielen, you're going to play him. If you have Cook, you're going to play him. Wouldn't touch anybody else. and Don't think there's any reason to. On the other
0: side, Tennessee is looking pretty interesting. Is A.J. Brown coming back for me this week? I don't know yet. You know, we haven't got a clear report on that yet. Uh, it's Something that you're going to have to monitor. If he's not playing, I think... You know Corey Davis is another flex option again, and Jonu Smith. You know, we we guess we can still continue to ride that train. That was my next question to you: Is how excited are people
1: going to be about Corey Davis? I'm waiting for that bubble to burst, but at this point, there's no sign that it would. Uh, you told me something interesting this morning, Wyatt, about the lack of AJ Brown not having a big impact on why Jonu Smith had a big day. You want to
0: reiterate that here? he still only had five targets in that game what's what we're just seeing is that johnny smith is still getting the targets that he should be getting it's just that johnny smith is really good i think that's important i
1: think a lot of people who are looking particularly at box scores that didn't necessarily watch that game see a 20 some point score out of a guy like johnny smith and assume that he was being worked early often and very heavily but that wasn't the case huh five targets he just did a Ton of efficient work on what he had there. So I expect him to have opportunity to be good at Minnesota, but also don't want people to be surprised if he has three catches on five targets and it goes for 40 yards and it's very
0: different than what you saw last week. Yeah, now for Minnesota, I think you're still sticking with Dalvin Cook and Adam Thielen, and you're not touching anybody else. I think that's we're basically going to say that for every time we talk about Minnesota. We'll say play Thielen, play Cook. Don't touch anybody else. Moving on to Las Vegas at New England. Cam Newton continuing his comeback tour. Now, this Vegas team is looking a lot better than we thought coming into this year. I think this is going to be a really interesting game. I think you still have to start Cam Newton. It's looking like you have to start Julian Edelman week in, week out. That's probably it for them maybe james white um we did just see alvin kamara catch a ton of passes against uh las vegas though most of that was in garbage time on vegas's side you're having josh jacobs in your lineup you're you've got Jared waller in your lineup again i don't know if you can play anybody else i think you're dead on that's exactly right from the vegas side those are the guys you're
1: looking at and you're not looking at anybody else at the moment that might change later in the year now Julian Edelman is a play of the week for me, Uh, and part of that is because I thought he was a play of the week last week, and he really rewarded me with his career day. The reason why I thought Edelman was going to have such a good game against Seattle is because they showed you in week one against Atlanta that they want to funnel everything over the middle and keep it in front of the safeties. That is exactly what I've watched the Raiders do for two games now. So I do think Edelman's going to benefit from that very heavily. Uh, I think that Cam Newton, until proven otherwise, does have to be started. You are on to something there. I don't know, man. I have a feeling that the Raiders are coming out of this 3-0. Can't quite put my finger on it. But there's like an awesome, weird thing going
0: on there right now. It is John Gruden has those guys playing, man. Yeah. Our next game is the San Francisco 49ers at the Giants – Boy, this is going to be an ugly game. Uh, a lot of injuries. You call it
1: ugly. I'm not on that train. We're about to get the Devontae Freeman, Jarek McKinnon show. And how <laughs> awesome is that? What more 2020 thing can you have than a matchup between Jarek McKinnon and Devontae Freeman leading to backfield?
0: I feel like I'm in the Twilight Zone. is very weird. I don't know what to. Uh, Jordan Reed, too. If we don't get Kittle back, like it's. Oh, my God. This is right. football from five years ago. I don't know what's happening. Um, I will say, uh, don't go running out to grab Devontae Freeman. I don't think he's just going to walk into the job. And even if he does, don't forget, last time we saw Devontae Freeman, he was not very good. And the Giants offensive offensive line is horrible. I would not expect much out of anything out of this backfield. Hopefully, you find out which one of these guys is going to be the receiving back, and you might get something out of him. Otherwise, on this team, I think you can actually play – Evan Ingram this week because of all the injuries on San Francisco's defense. And Real because of the Sterling Shepherd injury and Saquon injury, he might be able to get some work going. I'm not so sure about Slayton. Maybe Slayton. Uh, on the other side, boy. Uh I would <laughs> <laughs> I would I would play Jericho McKinnon. He's looked really good on its limited touches. And the Giants defense uh- is not particularly great. I'm excited for
1: McKinnon. I think McKinnon's going to get a lot of work. Were there offensive line injuries for the 49ers? There were not. That means a lot to me. It tells me that that's going to be what they have to focus on. Uh, and my, my thing here is I wonder in these situations, like, okay, we've lost this on the defensive line. We've got to figure out how to make sure that the defense gets to rest. And to do that, we need to use the running game to pick up some first downs and churn some clocks so the defense can sit on the side and make sure they don't get winded. Our receiving core is not looking great. And we're without our quarterback. Again, we got to pound the ball and make sure that we focus on that facet of the game. When I have all of those factors built up, I wonder well, is the other team just going to turn around, load the box, and shut that down? We're in a fortunate situation where I think the 49ers can take that we-need-to-run-for-these-14-reasons approach. And even with that, there's not much the Giants can do. They can be competent, but I don't think that the Giants are going to wholly shut down the run game to the point where it becomes useless. And even if they intend on shutting down the run game, I don't think they have the offensive weapons healthy and ready to go here to blow San Francisco out of the water so that McKinnon becomes useless. Everyone else for me is off my radar. Ingram included. I'm just not a huge fan of Ingram's, but I don't think we're going to get anything out of Devonte Freeman. And I'm glad you said that because I'm expecting a whole bunch of people to spend 20, 30, 40% of their free agent budget on Freeman this week. And I don't know when or where he's going to start to pick up and look really good. I just think he's going to end up being an average back. Uh, and unless I'm wrong, right? Like I can't look at him the way that I'm looking at James Robinson getting all the work or Melvin Gordon getting all the work in Denver.
0: It, even if Freeman looks okay, like Gallman and Lewis are not just going to go away. Yeah, I agree. I would stay away from the backfield. And just one last thing. If Kittle starts, obviously you're playing him. But if he doesn't, I think you can possibly stream Jordan Reed. I, God, I agree. It feels <laughs> gross, but I agree. Moving on to Cincinnati at Philadelphia. Will the descent of the Philadelphia Eagles continue? I think there's almost like a little bit of a changing of the guard here. It wasn't that long ago that uh, Carson Wentz was the new big quarterback in the league, and now it's Joe Burrow. Uh, Carson Wentz has not looked good at all this year completely off him we've talked about it before not playing him still playing the tight ends still playing miles sanders that's about as far as it goes over there on cincinnati i think joe burrow is nearing qb1 range because he's going to be throwing a lot and he looks fairly good doing it and because of his rushing floor if you've got joe mixon you're sticking with him i think you're sticking with tyler boyd based on a recipe that I kind of noted last week, and we have kind of talked about again today with Philadelphia, Darius Slay shutting down the number one receiver on the outside, this time being A.J. Green. The slot receiver cannot work the middle of that field and succeed. So in this case, it'll be Tyler Boyd. So I think you can play Tyler Boyd this week, but I'd probably avoid A.J. Green. Yeah, I'm with you. I think
1: A.J. Green is a guy who we're looking to see. Maybe this is like a big picture recommendation here. But if I see A.J. Green come out with seven or eight more targets this week and not good results on those, he becomes a primary trade candidate for me on almost all of my teams. I had made the comment to you and then started looking into this throughout the week, Wyatt, that almost as he's going through his progressions, Joe Burrow, that when it's not there for him and he's not reading it he's just throwing the ball away but his throwing the ball away is a target that either gets caught by aj green or goes for an incomplete pass it's not reasonably going to result in an interception he's just trying to take these really low percentage shots as opposed to winging the ball 40 yards out of play and that's very interesting to me because it suggests that their relationship is going to continue to improve um But you're right, man, it is really interesting that if I break this down and I ask myself in fantasy terms what color uniform is the top quarterback of this game wearing, orange or green, definitely doesn't seem like it's coming from the green side. It'll be interesting to see how it goes. If Wentz cannot get himself back on track against this defense, you got to get him off your team by any means necessary. Drop him if you have to. Trade him for somebody's fourth running back, fifth running back whatever just get him off your team so you're not tempted to keep playing him i've been suffering from that myself
0: the next game we're going to talk about is houston at pittsburgh on pittsburgh side i like ben roethlisberger this week as a streaming quarterback i think you kind of have to rely on james connor still with the way he produced last week he looked healthy so i think you got to continue with him deontay johnson and juju are both startable i think they're going to be startable uh, every week, on Houston's side, you're obviously playing Deshaun Watson. Though, you know, um, you're going to have to temper your expectations on him for this week. You know, he he, he didn't look particularly good against Baltimore last week, and uh, Pittsburgh kind of has a similar defense to Baltimore with uh, in regards to what their strengths are. Uh, we had the Will Fuller disappearing act last week, so it's hard to rely on any particular receiver there. I don't like David Johnson this week. It's not looking so good on Houston's side. I think for me, the biggest thing that I took away
1: from this previous Pittsburgh game was the lack of work for Benny Snell, right? Like Again, I mentioned in the recap that I thought the committee approach that was discussed this Sunday morning ended up being just a a nothing burger. So uh, James Conner should be fully playable in this matchup. We haven't really seen the Texans show that they can stop the running game. I, like, Edward Solaire knifed him. Ingram was running 30-yard wildcat snaps through the middle of their defense. I have to imagine that Connor is going to give me a uh, competent score. Um, the idea that Johnson is slowly turning into the number one as Juju takes a step back, I think continues to come to fruition this week, as much as I hate to say that. Uh, and I think that's it. I don't even think I would want to play Deshaun Watson this week. I literally can't find a single person on the Texans side of the ball that I think is better than the majority of other flex options that would be within the same category. So I'm just going to go out and say, avoid
0: every aspect of Houston if you can. Yeah, I would not blame somebody for sitting Deshaun Watson for a a streaming quarterback. Like, say, if Gardner Minshew, for whatever reason, is still on the wire, and you want to play him instead, I'm all for it. Next game we're going to talk about is the Jets at Indianapolis. On Indianapolis' side, Love Jonathan Taylor here, but he's probably about it. I know that sounds weird because the Jets are not a very good team. You'd expect there to be a lot of fancy options for Indianapolis, but with Paris Campbell out and T.Y. Hilton not looking very good, and Michael Pittman being a rookie, just kind of getting worked in, it's hard to really rely on any particular option in the passing game. But I'm thinking if it's going to be anybody, it's going to be Mo Alley-Cox. be Mo
1: cox Yes, <laughs> yeah. I'm excited about who, that. Who That's like the new good. tight end sleeper now. Yeah. So I think you're, I think you're exactly right that this is going to be the big beneficiary for them. I'm excited to see how that goes for him. Uh, I don't know what the hell happened to Neheim Hines last week. We'll see if he gets any work. I don't think you can put him in your lineup for this week and risk taking another zero while you find out if he's going to be relevant or not. So I do. I had a lot of questions about what things are going to look like for this Colts team. We should have mentioned coming off of this discussion a moment ago with Deshaun Watson that – There's every reason that Phillip Rivers is a viable streaming quarterback for this week as well. Um, On the other side of the ball for the Jets, the Jets will probably show up and play a football game, and uh, that's the end of that. Let's move on.
0: Yeah, my analysis for the (laughs) Jets for this season, I think, at this point, is stay away.
1: Don't. Next. Yeah.
0: Nothing. I mean, Braxton Berrios came through with a decent game for them last week, but, like, are you going to put your faith in Braxton Berrios to win you No. No. Just stay away, guys. It's I no. feel I feel I feel bad for Sam Darnold because he's in this situation, and he, I think he's actually a good player. It's unfortunate.
1: I feel bad for all of them. I cannot believe what is this? this is now? Why at ten o'clock on Tuesday night that you and I are recording this show? Adam Gase is still employed. Why? It's crazy.
0: I have no idea. Uh, quick tangent. Chris Herndon has pass blocked more than any tight end during pass routes so far this year. The only reliable option for Sam Darnold is being kept in to block. That's all you need to know about about Adam Gase. (laughs) (laughs) All right, moving on to our next game. We've got Carolina at the Chargers. I'm excited for this game because I think this is going to be an interesting test for the Carolina offense, going against a team with a real defense with some seriously good corners to match up against D.J. Moore and Robbie Anderson. I actually kind of like Mike Davis as a flex here because I expect Teddy Bridgewater checked down to him a good amount. He had eight catches um, in this last game in relief for, for CMC. Uh, I think you still have to play DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson because, well, look at what they've done. It's hard to sit either of those guys at this point. On the Chargers side, it'll be interesting to see which quarterback we get. It should be Justin Herbert. I don't know if we're going to get Justin Herbert. I think if it is Justin Herbert, that's great for the offense, and it makes me like basically all the pieces. I agree with that. The issues that I've had the whole time with Mike Williams and Keenan
1: Allen went away right away with Herbert. We'll see what develops there. So you and I are just going to have to caveat that at this point, that Allen and Williams are absolute plays if Herbert's the quarterback. If not, then, I don't know, then you got to evaluate it on a case-by-case basis. Uh, Outside of Eckler being a stud, We you think Josh Kelly is going to have some good
0: value, maybe score even in this matchup? I think Joshua Kelly is definitely a flex at this point. Um, He's getting a lot of work. He hasn't been that efficient with his carries, but he is getting a lot of work. And Carolina just continues to give up rushing touchdowns. So you have to imagine he's going to get one, and Eckler will probably get one too.
1: Yeah, that's kind of the thing about Josh Kelly in particular that makes me nervous as a multiple Eckler owner but excited as somebody who owns Josh Kelly and other places that they have been committed to keeping him involved when he hasn't been real efficient. So if at any point he starts to improve upon that a little bit, you got his role should feasibly expand even larger. So if there was ever a matchup for him to take advantage of it, this is the one. And we just watched both Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette be extremely good against uh the middle, the teeth of the Carolina defense running between the tackles. So it does kind of suggest to me that this would line up for Kelly
0: to have a great day. Our next game is Tampa Bay at Denver, where we're going to get Jeff Driscoll starting at QB. And I know people are going to hear that name and go, who? But Jeff Driscoll has actually been a productive fantasy quarterback when he's been thrust into starting duty. He had three games for Detroit last year where I don't believe he finished worse than QB 15. Um, so I don't think you have to worry too much about the weapons around him. It's just that the weapons around him are now worse because of Cortland Sutton being gone. Now Jerry Judy is going to get the number one corner. KJ Hamler is going to have to be involved more. I think the person who actually benefits from this is Noah Fant, who's been playing I agree. well. well. Um, we talked about Melvin Gordon earlier, so I, I mentioned he's an RB2 for me. I, I would still be playing him. For Tampa Bay, I don't know if I want to start Tom Brady anymore. Um, it's not that he's necessarily looked bad, although he hasn't looked great. It's that his supporting cast has been not great. But we, we should get Chris Godwin back. So that should be a boost for him. I'm just He's kind of like borderline for me on, on startable quarterbacks for the week. Speaking of Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, uh, I think that they're both startable here against Denver. They just gave up a good receiving day to Deontay Johnson. Um, and, you know, I would pick Chris Cotto and Mike Evans over Deontay Johnson and Juju any day. So I think you can get big things out of them, but I'm shying away from Tampa Bay tight ends for the time being.
1: Yeah, I would, too. I actually think dropping Gronkowski is the move at this point. He is there primarily to be a pass blocker, not a route runner, and although I do think that that is going to change by the time we get to fantasy playoffs... Right now he's not worth rostering. It's just drop him, pick up something different, and keep an eye on it for later. The the big question here that I'm you know happy you left for me to answer is what in the world's going on in the backfield. And I just want to impress upon everyone that if you watched the game last week and thought that this is now hands down Leonard Fournette's job, Tampa Bay signed him, they spent a bunch of money on him let him watch for about six quarters, and now here we go. They're giving him the keys to the castle. I think you're out of your mind to think that you could predict it that way. Uh, I would love to play Fournette or Jones this week and expect that both – may be productive in some sort of fashion i just don't think that both of them are going to go for 2025 i think if you have a hole and you need to get 10 points out of your running back position you can use either of them but the idea that ronald jones is now just dead and buried i think would be ridiculous and there is a lot there is a lot of chatter that that is the case so you know the receivers are one thing i think you're right wyatt that they're all studs denver it is what it is on the other side i think we all know we're just waiting to see what happens with the backfield here behind or next to tom brady in this matchup
0: our next game is detroit arizona i expect this game to be a pretty big shootout as detroit really has no defense to speak of at this point and arizona should be able to score at will on them forcing detroit to have to fire back uh kyler murray is a big play this week. Who He's been looking fantastic. I expect that to continue. DeAndre Hopkins, of course. I actually think this is going to be a very big Kenyon-Drake game as Detroit is the only team in the NFL through two weeks to give up over 400 yards rushing so far. But after that, there's really no one else to play on this team. The team is actually pretty dense when it comes to fantasy points. On Detroit side, we just talked about how Expect this to be a shootout, so I expect Matthew Stafford to have to throw the ball a lot. He should have Kenny Galladay back. I like Kenny Galladay a good bit, but not where he was last year. I'm more playing him as a wide receiver, two in his first game back. Marvin Jones, I think, is in that flex range, and I'm still probably playing TJ Hawkinson as a like streamable tight end and staying away from the backfield. I'm with it. That's exactly where I'm at on all of
1: these things. I don't think that we're really looking at Kirk or Fitzgerald as viable flex options, it is really, really dense in where the fantasy points are located uh, this year, with, of course, a small smattering of that going to Chase Edmonds more so than even the other guys. Uh, And then on the other side of the ball, I do think that the presence of Kenny Galladay bumps up Marvin Jones for me. I think that each of them are better when they're together. So uh, I'd be full go on both of those guys, even potentially as a wide receiver, too for Marvin Jones, unless you have a very strong wide-receiving core. Uh, Hawkinson, I think, is is ready to go. I'm not ready to look at AP or anyone else except maybe Swift, but I'm hoping that you have better options than Swift at this
0: point. Our next matchup is Dallas at Seattle. Uh, This should be another shootout between two of the best quarterbacks in the game right now, especially for fantasy. You're obviously playing everybody on Seattle. We kind of talked about it earlier. We just think that, you know, Russell Wilson, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Chris Carson, they're just matchup proof at this point. Start them all. No issues there. On Dallas's side, it's pretty much the same thing. You want to play Dak Prescott, Zeke, Amari Cooper, and you could probably flex Michael Gallup or CD Lamb. And you might even be able to stream Dalton Schultz coming off a pretty impressive game. I was really surprised how active
1: he was. I don't know if I'd really walk into streaming him at this point, but you never know. You're right. Like, I would assume that there's going to be a lot of people trying to get guys like Jordan Reed off the waiver wire. So maybe if you go in, you don't get your primary target, and then you want to come back to Schultz. By all means, you could have something there. Um, It's just... Like you said, every facet of the offensive game here is going to be fully on display. There's nothing that Dallas can do to stop the Russell Wilson deep ball. I'm full go on everybody who is not Greg Olson wearing a Seahawks uniform. Uh, Chris Carson, again, has just a wonderful matchup to exploit, despite the fact that I think it is inevitable that he collapses at some point this season. He has come out of the gate with three very, very good matchups to take advantage of, this one being no exception to the other two. Uh, And I think Dallas is really going to be able to keep up with them. I don't know if this is going to be the first loss that the Seahawks take, but they're certainly going to find themselves in a game late like they did with uh, New England, as I expect Dak to put up a ton,
0: a ton of numbers in this game as well. Our next game is Green Bay at New Orleans. Boy, I don't know if I'm playing Drew Brees anymore after the game that we just watched. He, he was missing throws that he normally makes. I, I think I'm sitting Drew Brees at this point. You're still in on Kamara, though. Uh, Cook is back into that streaming category after a big disappointment in this past game. Kamara is probably the only guy you can reliably start on the New Orleans offense, which is kind of wild to say.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: On Green Bay... I think, you know, Aaron Rodgers will continue to be in that borderline QB1 category. We we kind of got too hyped on him after week one, and he kind of settled back down last week. Once we saw, you know, Adam Lazard and Marquez Valdez-Gantley not catching and not making the plays that they were in the first week, they kind of came back down to earth. We saw his numbers come back down to earth. You're still playing Aaron Jones, obviously. You got to play that guy. He's an absolute stud. That's really it here. Devonte Adams sits out you're obviously playing him but that's really it yeah so a few guys
1: who i think are better than both quarterbacks in this game gardner minju ryan fitzpatrick jared goff ryan Tannehill, joe burrow possibly even justin herbert if he's the starter for the whole game I mean, that's how low I am on both of these guys. And Breeze, I think, is a no-brainer after what we just saw. But for me, Wyatt, the reason why I don't think Aaron Rodgers is full go here is because we don't know for sure what's up with Devontae Adams, at least at this particular moment. Uh, And I, I I saw Derek Carr exploit the Saints in a way that I don't often see people exploit the Saints. And he did it using weapons that Green Bay can't really match. They don't have a Josh Jacobs, Darren Waller sort of system to utilize here. They need to push the ball towards the outside. And I get that these offenses are not necessarily the same. But when Tom Brady had to take shots to the outside, I saw the Saints running back a pick six. So I worry that what the Packers need to do to utilize their strengths plays into what the Saints are able to do on the defensive side of the ball, and it limits how high I think Rodgers can go in this matchup. I also think, if we're really being honest here, that these teams should be able to self-recognize with good coaching staffs that Aaron Jones on one side and Alvin Kamara on the other side is what drives this matchup more than anything else. And if that's going to be the case, we might see a surprisingly limited amount of offensive snaps for both sides in this game, as I don't think Green Bay can really stop Kamara, and I don't know that the Saints can really stop Aaron Jones, at least fully stop him. So I worry about how much offensive opportunity there's going to be for the weapons on both sides of the ball here. So this is one of those really interesting Sunday night games where I look at Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers and the Packers and the Saints, and I'm excited about that matchup. But if this turns out to be like a 2017 slow, methodical
0: slugfest, I, I can see it going that way. Our final game is Kansas City at Baltimore in what should be the, one of the best games that we've had so far this year. I think on both sides you guys got to play your guys. You're play on Baltimore. You're playing Lamar Jackson. You're playing Mark Andrews. You're playing Marquise Brown. You could probably still play Mark Ingram. On Kansas City, you're playing Mahomes, Hill, Kelsey, C E H. Even though both these teams have good to great defenses in the case of Baltimore, I think you just got to continue to play those guys. I mean, they are who they are for a reason. They're on these big explosive offenses because they are matchup proof.
1: So everything you're saying there I think is completely accurate. Uh, This is, to me, destined to be another repeat playoff game that we end up seeing later. You're right. Like I, I asked you this morning, Wyatt should should I be trying to take Tyreek Hill out of my lineup to play Stephon Diggs, given that Baltimore has such a good defense? And the answer to that after we talked about it was obviously no. Like He belongs in there for a reason. So this is just one of those things where, for both sides, maybe with the absence of Mark Ingram in this conversation, um, your studs are your studs, and everybody else doesn't rise to the level of being evaluated as playable. So at McCall Hardman sammy watkins gus edwards and jk dobbins those are all full nose i think in this matchup there's no reason to take a risk on them uh what can you say to people who have mark andrews and might be worried about what they didn't see any of last week
0: i wouldn't be worried at all uh very low passing volume in that game mark andrews is still one of the best tight ends in football i would not be worried That's going to do it for today's episode. Make sure to join us next week where we're going to recap week three and then get you ready for week four. Make sure to jump on over to jwbfantasyfootball.com where you can find all of our articles. Find us on Twitter. I'm at WyattB underscore FF. Justin's at JWill underscore FF. And the show is at JWB underscore FF. Enjoy your weekend. We'll talk to you next time. As always,
1: thanks for listening and happy week three, everybody.